The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisition. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week, we come together to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour where you can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, failures, and lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests each week that come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we will focus on the people side of M&A, specifically uh, culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that were beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We help our clients ensure these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their businesses. I love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impact through human resources. Helping companies harness their most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It's my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way. By hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the best minds in this business for the benefit of themselves and their companies. So if during the conversation today you have a question or you'd like to contribute to the discussion, please call in or email us. You can also reach us via email after the show if you'd like. So let's get the conversation started. Today I'm so excited to have two amazing members of the SWC team on the show. Rose McKinley is the head of our human capital strategy practice and brings 25 years of experience in M&A assessment, compensation, executive compensation, employee benefits, staffing, employee relations, labor relations, and training experience to the conversation. Yolanda Saunier is the head of our diversity and inclusion practice, and in addition to being a practicing attorney, she brings 15 years of experience in the assessment and identification of diversity and inclusion needs, planning, education, training, and the implementation of specified diversity and inclusion plans. With this being the last working day of 2016, I thought it would be fun to take a look ahead to 2017 and, um, and, and discuss what we can expect in the world of mergers and acquisitions. 2016 was certainly an interesting year in the business world and politically. It will be very interesting to get insights from both of you 
on how you think the happenings of 2016 will inform the M&A landscape in 2017 and from the perspectives of your areas of specialty, human capital strategy and diversity and inclusion. I'm honored and excited to have you both on the show today. Welcome to both of you. Thank you very much for having me and happy holidays to everyone. Yes, happy holidays to you as well. It's amazing to think that we're already uh, at the end of 2016 and um, that we're already having to look forward to what should be a very exciting um, year in 2017. The nice thing about 2016 is that it really was uh, a a very nice uh, environment for mergers and acquisitions, which for those of us um, at at SWC, they know is really great for us because it's given us a lot of opportunity to help organizations as they integrate and transition through their M&A landscape. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't start our conversation with both of your thoughts on the impact the new administration will have on the M&A landscape. There's no doubt that in the evolving political landscape um, that that will be a, cr- a key driver in the transformation of the M&A space. In fact, I just read a recent article Um, called the Business and Industry Economic Outlook Survey. And it said that three out of four executives expect the outcome of the U.S. elections to impact planning, budgeting, and forecasting in 2017. According to that same survey, the election results have have resulted in the highest probability for major tax reform since the 1986 um, Tax Act. President-elect Trump and majority leaders in the House and Senate have been very vocal about their intentions to revise and repeal existing policies in the areas of tax, health care, financial legislation, and international trade, and some predict a more receptive regulatory environment for mergers and acquisitions, which is great for us. But that's, that's, it's not just political transition in Washington that will have the impact. Globally, we have to look at what's happening coming up in 2017 as well. Um, Britain is expected to begin the process of exiting the European Union, which will have global implications for everything from trade policies to currency valuations. And there are the key elections in France and Germany that will be closely watched. And uh, we've got to see what they signal for the future of the world's largest single market and the populist movements that have upended, upended politics in 2016. So with all of that in mind, Rose, um, you've got many years in the M&A space. Given everything I just said about the potential nature of the M&A landscape, starting with the new administration in January, what should our listeners who are contemplating a merger or acquisition in 2017 expect in terms of human capital issues? Well, you know, it's interesting. And Sonia, thank you so much for having me on your program. um, I've listened to them all, and it's very exciting. And lots of great information is given out here, and I hope this will be some additional. What we've noticed with this whole um, change and all the things that people are looking at in terms of mergers and acquisitions, the issues, the true issues of mergers and acquisitions haven't changed. What has changed is this energy to look at mergers and acquisitions. And in the past, what we've seen is as companies get excited about the mergers and acquisitions, they kind of fall into that trap of they're so excited about it, mistakes can happen by not looking at things in a rational and slow way. We always look at the numbers that way, but we've not looked at human capital that way. We haven't looked at the people that way. And that's one of the things I'm hoping shows like this and other information that's out there, and some of your other guests have brought forward how important it is to have human capital up front. 
And um, I think that as people begin to look at this and begin to experience the excitement of a merger and looking at what the metrics are, that we're going to see it shift in terms of how it's done, not necessarily that it's done. But I do think there will be more. Um, One of the, the statistics that just shocked me was that companies with over 50 employees are open to acquisition. Um, or mergers, um, and that this environment um, that we, we see, that it's just an amazing number. 62% of them are looking and willing to listen to a merger acquisition. That's a lot of organizations, and that's a lot of opportunity for companies to expand and grow you know, through acquisition. One of the, the issues that continue to be an issue is how that merger and acquisition is managed. And I think that hasn't changed, but I think the environment for it is certainly much more receptive than what we've seen. Yeah, it's interesting because if you think about the fact that if what, what we're hearing is that um, the environment for M&A will be much more favorable, um, even though it's been fa- fairly favorable um, in recent Years, but I think much more so given some of the um, changes the new administration is likely to make, or at least intends to make. You know, with with that, um, I think that there are going to be organizations that perhaps were not previously considering doing a merger or acquisition who may now think, oh, well, maybe now's the time to think about that. But you know, to your earlier point, they're not necessarily thinking about the human capital side of it um, when they think about their first foray into it uh, you know of course they're going to gather the lawyers and they're going to gather their finance people but um, you know with with the pace of things changing and with the opportunity growing you know I think that there are probably some key factors from a human capital perspective that they need to think through um, as they consider going into that I mean do you have any thoughts on what those factors might might be just you know a couple uh, quick ones yeah um, when I look at it of course, Culture is always a, a large issue. How decisions are made, how work is accomplished, um, how the teams, the individuals, the departments work together, the talent pool and what's there uh, in terms of executive management, technical and professional talent, and how has that talent been developed and is it ready for something like this? Uh, employee engagement, um, metrics. Uh, and compensation consistency, how are those reward systems? I mean, that's one of the biggest issues facing the CPAs is um, the cost of employees and benefits. So I, I think there's a lot of things in that area affecting it. And, of course, you know, how diverse we're becoming as an organization and as organizations flow forward. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's really important as – um, those folks that may find themselves suddenly in the market to do an M&A uh, because of what we anticipate 27 to be like, that they include in their due diligence efforts, or at least their plans for due diligence, those metrics around um, cost of hire, retiree eligibility, um, the more intangible but critically important things like culture, as you said, behaviors, um, processes, technology, all of these things are going to become increasingly um, important, um, I think, as not only the number of M&A uh, transactions um, uh, come to be, but perhaps even the pace with which uh, we find folks doing them. And I know that on this team, we've got clients that are looking to do multiple acquisitions um, in, in a steady space and um 
what we've been working with them to do is to create uh, acquisition engines through which to view their transactions so that they can reliably and flawlessly uh, execute on those things. But that engine is, is truly grounded in the human capital and culture side of things. So um, I, I think there are really, really great things to come. I think what we'll do um, next is uh, I'd love to um, take head towards a break. And on the other end of that break, um, we're going to bring in Yolanda Sonier, who, again, is the head of our DNI practice, to talk with her a little bit about uh, diversity and inclusion. And um, given the new world order we'll find ourselves in in just a few days, uh, what role she thinks DNI may have uh, in, in there. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, Rose McKinley and Yolanda Sonier um, after a few seconds. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, don't forget to call in with your questions or comments if you have any fee- anything or if you'd like to contribute to the conversation. Uh, let's get back to the discussion. At the break, I mentioned that I wanted to uh, reintroduce Yolanda Saunier. And Yolanda, um, given the fact that diversity and inclusion does play a very unique role in the world of M&A, 
As an example, it forms key drivers like employee engagement that tie DNI to the financial performance of a company. Looking at uh, the recent election cycle and all that that has all that means, um, what impact do you think that election cycle will have on the role of DNI in uh, mergers and acquisitions in the coming year? Sonia, thank you again for having me on the show. And you know, interesting question because I think this election. Um, DNI falls tremendously in the role of this election. The election has divided the country on so many issues, and for me, it has. Been, I think it has been the most divisive election and campaign um, that I have seen in my lifetime. And typically, once the election occurs, you know, everyone accepts what the election results are and kind of move forward. But we still find ourselves in a divisive um, environment. And, you know, some of the messages that were sent during the election, some of them were very overt um, messages of um, racism, um, discrimination against religion, um, so many different things. And some others were subliminal. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, question what the tagline meant about let's make America great again. But the fact of the election is that it's resulted in friction. Um, it, you know, hatred has surfaced in the workplace, in schools, places of worship, and as well as just in people's everyday communities. And so when you talk about mergers and acquisition, you, you are bringing companies together that may not have had the same values and goals, um, as well as the individuals that are in their, in the company, the workforce. And so it's extremely important to talk about when you're you're talking about making a successful merger, that you have to look at what the workplace cultures are um, and make sure that they're aligned. And if not, what's the plan to make sure that those companies' um, cultures are aligned to make it successful? You also talk about the bottom line. So you have to recognize that DNI um, is extremely important when you're looking at the bottom line of a company and it only helps the bottom line when you have that diverse talent. And then you also have to realize that outside forces are going to shape and affect your workforce. And so even if that wasn't an issue before this election, um, you you may find that your you know, the workforce and your employees are coming in and the outside forces are now trickling in inside your company. And you're going to have to, and companies are going to have to plan in ways that they have not had to plan before. But I, I think, and you mentioned earlier, Sonia, about the global effects and Britain, um, you know, the effects of Britain leaving. But we're also looking at Cuba with Castro's um, passing away recently. People are looking at how that global, how that is going to globally affect um, the U.S. And then others are looking at whether or not the you know, some see it as an alliance. Some people see it as a conflict, but with Russia and how that's going to affect, you know, globally in the DNI um, space and how we're looking at the mergers and acquisitions and how this election is going to affect all of that. And you're right, Sonia, that's only a few days away before the new administration comes in. That was a mouthful. <laughs> I appreciated every every word of it. I mean, it's so it's so interesting because in this day and age, you know, when you think about diversity and inclusion, you almost have to think about the impact of social media 
and and the role that it plays. And that's going to become increasingly more relevant, uh, particularly when we have our first uh, sort of texter or tweeter in chief who likes to use social media and is placing a... um, um, a, a new level of, of awareness uh, in terms of what leaders can do with social media. And it, it may not have been something that leaders would turn to, but he's uh, he's placing an example out there that says that, you know, you can even be the leader of the free world and utilize social media to get your, your, your message across. But I, I wonder how many organizations uh, are really prepared to incorporate social media and the use of it um, um, in, into their policies and procedures in, in trying to um, help manage and maintain uh, the, the cultural imperative and the cultural footprint that they want to have. You know, it's very, it's very interesting, um, that scenario. And, and I know that at SWC, we are more and more getting clients um, that are asking us to take a look at these things because they're finding that because of their, the social media posting that their employees do on their off time from home, um, can, uh, to the extent that uh, those posts are perceived negatively and then go viral, have an impact um, on the internal workings of the companies and that the companies are now finding themselves um, in a position to having to uh, explain uh, or defend or, or uh, react to some of the external social media postings that their, their, their uh, employees are making. Do you have any additional so thoughts on that? And I actually do about the social media, and and I think it's great that we have someone who's going to be leading the country who is um, involved in social media, but it is the responsible use of social media. And so when you mention some companies may not have a policy as it relates to social media, companies are not only going to have to look at a policy, but then at what point is there any disciplinary action or how does it then trickle into the company? So does... You know, the personal posts that are put on an employee's um, social media site and then other employees see it and feel intimidated. What's the response to that? And, you know, that is something that companies are going to have to address. I mean, schools find themselves now having to address that Um with students making posts, and a lot has occurred after the election, of school systems having to address the postings, the posts that have been put up that have um, been discriminatory, have been intimidating, and but they have not been done on school property. And so that's the same thing that companies are going to have to address in 2017 as we look towards this new election and this new term. Yeah, and I true. think Yolanda, you you raise a very interesting issue. From many companies have put their toe in the water regarding social media, and certainly there were policies out four or five years ago restricting certain certain things, and certainly that has not worked real well. And now what you're finding is this, okay, we put our toes in the water, we tried to control this. Now we really have to look at this differently. Now we have to look at it as another communication tool, not only for employees, but also outward-facing. So it's a tool of inward-facing and outward-facing, and those lines are beginning to be blurred. And uh, that can be pretty scary, um, certainly as an organization uh, is addressing a crisis or an acquisition or a merger. So uh, it, it's, it's a very uh, unique challenge. It's a positive, and like most positives, too much of it you know, creates that negative side. Uh, it, it's an interesting challenge for companies to manage that at this point in time. Yeah, I think looking into 2017, one of the things we can 
um, absolutely with confidence say that uh, organizations are going to have to be prepared to do is uh, roll in the concept of social media and be proactive about how they want to manage that. Um, and then, you know, you bring two companies together where perhaps they don't have the same uh, perspective or allowances around that. Um, you know, that's, some, that's something else to consider. Let's, let's talk about some predictions for 2017. <laughs> So, Forbes magazine actually has already listed eight companies that they believe will be bought or merged in 2017. And on the top of that prediction list was that uh, Comcast would buy T-Mobile. Now, we know that T-Mobile has by far and away been the fastest growing U.S. wireless carrier since uh, their CEO took over in 2012. And his uncarrier, quote-unquote, strategy to break with the traditional market practices of things like two-year contracts and high roaming fees have helped T-Mobile more than double its subscriber base. They're up to 69 million now. So Comcast, um, the cable TV giant that actually also owns NBC Universal, has already said it plans to offer a wireless service sometime in 2017. So this prediction, you know, it, it makes sense to me. Now we all know at SWC, we know Comcast well because it's here in our backyard right here in Philadelphia. But Rose, given what you know about Comcast as an organization, and I know that you've been um, uh, involved with Comcast even before it was Comcast from an HR consulting perspective, uh, as an organization, uh, you know, what are your thoughts about this particular prediction, and what would your human capital-related words of advice be with regard to this potential transaction? Well, what's interesting is to look at Comcast acquisition history, and I don't mean in terms of what companies it has acquired, but how it has operated. Mm-hmm. It, it is not at all unusual for them to identify a target, go in, replace management, and then move on. That's been their operating mode. But when they acquired Universal, um, there was some advice provided that said, this industry is different. We truly advise you not to do that right away, but to research and look and analyze and review before making a change. And that is what happened with Universal. I believe that's going to be the same issue when you take a look at the mobile telephone industry. It's very different. Um, it has different skill sets. Some of the infrastructure is similar. Some of it is the same, and there's a lot that is different. It is a different culture. So my, my advice is take that lesson from Universal and that advice that was given and expand it. Expand it into the human side. Expand it into those people that are representing the company. There is a difference in how mobile services are delivered versus cable services and a difference in how those people react with their customers. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, uh, Again, it's that human capital piece and listening and paying attention to how things work um, before um, not necessarily imposing but moving quickly to um, assimilate that organization in. Um, they may have things that are important to be assimilated into Comcast. It's true. Good words of advice, and uh, certainly appreciate the perspective through which you give it, uh, having done some uh, some work with Comcast in the past um, and in that industry as well. We're going to take another quick break, everybody, and uh, continue to talk more about what we see coming from an M&A perspective into 2017. Back with Rose McKinley and Yolanda Saunier. 
of SWC Management Consulting right after this short break. Thanks. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into the Soul Show Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration, too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Let's get back to our discussion with Yolanda and with Rose. We've been talking about what we see in the M&A space coming into 2017. And it looks like that M&A activity will increase in 2017. In fact, the majority of firms with more than 50 people are looking to either buy or sell in the coming year. And 62% of them have a strategic plan that involves a merger or an acquisition within the next five years. So, Yolanda, given the changing demographics across the country, things like the fact that minorities now represent an ever-increasing percentage of the population or the fact that there are more millennials in the workplace than Gen Xers and Generation Z is right behind them, how will these changing demographics impact the increased M&A activity that we expect and what should M&A participants be thinking about as they plan a merger or acquisition in their strategic plan? Uh, Sonia, I think it goes back to sort part of the discussion we were having earlier about the cultures of your 
of the companies that are merging. And so if you have one company that is full of millennials and then a company that's full of, you know, Generation X or even Baby Boom, you know, what what does that look like bringing them together? You know, we're, we're talking about social media. And so for the millennial generation, there's nothing there's nothing more important than social media and having the the updated social media and marketing your company on social media and then there's you know then there's others um you know the other generations the baby boomers generation x generation z who social media may not be as important um or they're just trying to get up to speed and so the question is, how are you going to intertwine those those two? And, you know, you're bringing everyone to the table. There's going to be diverse thoughts and perspectives that, you know, the different generations are going to bring. And, and it's interesting, you and Rose were talking before the commercial about T-Mobile and Comcast and that, you know, that it's a possibility that Comcast will buy T-Mobile. And, you know, T-Mobile is very... Um, it is geared towards the young millennial generation. And you had mentioned, Sonia, that their uncarrier strategy, well, that was like a break from tradition. Mm. And, you know, that was just almost unheard of. And is the young people just just grabbed onto it. And even if you look at the advertising for T-Mobile, they're not advertising to... Um, the Generation X, Baby Boomers, they're advertising to the millennials. That's who they're advertising to. And that energy and that young energy, hopefully Comcast will be able, if they do, if this merger and acquisition does go through, hopefully they will be able to capitalize on that young population and that energy that they bring, not only for who their customers are, but their internal workforce that they have. Um, hopefully that will give Comcast a boost um, in attracting the millennials. And and I'll say this too, just find that it's gonna be Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Yolanda. No, I was just saying that, you know, when you had mentioned planning, um, when you're talking about your diverse talent, you gotta see, you know, the how they're how they're working, how they're learning. Um, you know, the maybe even start the work start time and end time. You know, you you have to look at different things when you're talking about planning and bringing in um, diverse ages within your organization. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just to springboard on on something you just said as it relates to um, it bridging the customer. Um, interaction or the customer experience with and, and understanding the the nature of your customer and like you say you know the the t-mobile customer is that younger audience so you know one of the things that i know we're looking at with, with um, several prospective clients and existing clients yolanda is the idea of of capability building and, and upskilling as it relates to preparing companies and their employees to serve well, the uh, changing demographics that, it, that that represent the changing consumer base, you know, the, the emerging market that looks different from what was traditional. And I think you're right. I mean, T-Mobile, obviously, given its growth, was able to tap into uh, and identify what this emerging market is looking for and change its services uh, accordingly. But if you think about 
what that means uh, in an M&A situation, you know, what kind of training or upskilling would a company like Comcast need to do in order to um, uh, be able to appropriately service this new set of uh, consumers that it's going to have that are, are decidedly different in the way that they, uh, they think and the way that they buy? So I, th- I think it's both an internal and an external strategy as far as training. So you're bringing together inside your workforce, if this merger happens, you're having people from different walks of life and age groups that are coming together with different thought process. But not only that, you got to make sure that your workforce is able to communicate and um, relate to the the external being your customer. And so if you have, you know, you have people who are not familiar with um, social media and not familiar with the new iPhone or the new Samsung, and you want them to continue to sell and promote your product, um, that's going to be a problem. And so you're going to may have to make sure to have that training to make sure that they can relate not only internally, but to the external factors and your external um, customers who are going to be your bottom line and make sure that, um, that your, your, bottom line figures go up. So what we were talking about was um, the importance of being able to um, uh, reflect your consumer base um, and, and be able to, to upskill and, and, and build capability for your employees to be able to address the emerging market the way that it's changing. And in this case, in this example, we were talking about millennials. And so what I was asking you, you know, given your experience around M&A due diligence, what are the kinds of things that organizations can test for as part of their due diligence efforts to ensure that they um, are, are, are looking at targets in a way that says, okay, you know, we, we at least understand the extent to which some training or some upskilling to ensure that when we bring these two organizations together, they're going to be prepared and equipped to address and meet the needs of a changing workplace or marketplace, sorry. It's very interesting, but as we look at metrics, um, and and human capital is more holistic in how it looks at metrics, certainly there are things that we look at that are very measurable, you know, um, your demographics, of course, in an organization, um, looking at how they actually accomplish work, um, having those focus group meetings in terms of looking at and talking to them about how things are accomplished, what, what are the methods that people get work done. And what we've seen is that there is what was water cooler conversation at one time doesn't occur in businesses where you have a majority of millennials. Um, the majority of their conversation occurs through social media. So how do you incorporate this um, transition of knowledge that normally would happen in an informal way and now transitioning it to a formal way? And that's something that is going to take a company looking at how do we transmit information right now and how does this new organization that we're acquiring transmit information to each other? Um, And how do we encourage that communication to work between them by merging however it is that we do these things. Um, So it's a little bit more holistic than looking at, okay, we're going to do a training program. How do we transfer that knowledge? How do we encourage mentorship in an organization? And I think with millennials, we're going to need to be a little bit more structured. 
um, we're going to be a little bit more directive than we had been with previous generations because that is how they've been raised. And that is how they've, uh, they've moved from, you know, grade school into high school into college in a very structured way. And now we're asking them to communicate in a way that they've never done before. So I think it's taking some of that skill base that we've developed over the years and how do we communicate and helping the millennials learn how to communicate and helping others learn how to communicate through social media venues. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a very challenging and very interesting way in looking at things as uh, mergers and acquisitions go forward and as our demographics continue to shift. And this is something that as you are, um, you know, say, say you are in the middle of a transaction, you've decided to go forward with the, uh, uh, with the deal and you're now post-close, do you have any just quick thoughts around, okay, well, you didn't really take into consideration these pieces, and this question is really for both of you, either of you, um, some of these DNI-related uh, issues um, did not really take advantage of that opportunity uh, on the front end with, with, with due diligence. How do you integrate thereafter then? What, what is your recourse once the deal is already done and you've discovered that you've got some integration issues because lack of understanding around DNI. Sonia, I think it's very similar to what a company who is not going through a merger and acquisition um, has to go through. They have to assess what the issue and what the needs are and then have to plan and strategize behind what the needs are the company, this new company you know, looks like. So they, they didn't take the opportunity to do it beforehand, but that doesn't mean that they can't plan accordingly and rectify what wasn't done prior to the merger and acquisition occurring. It's just like any other company. And so I, I would say they, they still have the opportunity to rebound from that um, and, and put some strategies in place that would help the company continue to be successful. Yes, true. Well, any, any quick totally. thoughts on that? Yeah, I, uh, I agree totally. That it, There's always the opportunity to change and grow. And I think good change management practices is what's real important in this type of a situation where you have different ways of communicating and learning is to really have a structured way to look at how are we going to institute this, how are we going to integrate our organization, how are we going to integrate our different generations and our different cultures? Um, I think the, the basics, the core basics of how to do these things are there. It's helping people actually implement and do it and measure it and ensure their success and communicate that to their employee population. These things can't be done in a blind. Um, it needs to be recognized and communicated. And I think that's yeah. the key to any good acquisition or merger is communicating with those employees as quickly as possible, having them involved in the process. I know that's a, that's a fear um, of many organizations, but I think um, that's also been the mergers and acquisitions that I've seen most successful. And I think um, uh, Francesco Molinari spoke about the very same thing. Uh, yes. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we will be right back. Be 
become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business. Tune in to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. You'll hear from guests that will help you work on your business instead of constantly in your business and get your life back while the business keeps running and humming. Reclaim Your Freedom airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Hi, and welcome back, everyone. Uh, Let's get back to our discussion with Rose and with Yolanda. We've been talking about predictions for 2017 and where we see the M&A landscape going. Um, So another prediction in doing my research that I was able to find is that it'll, it'll now take longer and cost more to fill jobs in 2017. Talent's going to be more expensive and firms will have to make more offers to get more job acceptances. Rose, often when you acquire or emerge uh, organizations, one of the biggest challenges that organizations face is around the organization structure, the roles, and the staffing. Given this prediction about how staffing in the M&A world will take longer and cost more, what should be considered as we contemplate a merger or an acquisition next year? I feel like I'm a broken record. (laughs) because I'm going to say it again, and that's to have human capital involved in the process before the actual paperwork and the deal is done. The most I have done, so many mergers and acquisitions, the most successful is when I've had the opportunity to get in early, to meet with employees, had permission to speak with people, had permission to do the focus groups, to identify the issues and problems in advance, uh, 
so that things can be managed well. And, um, in fact, I'll mention Francesca again, mentioned how, you know, there was going to be an asset acquisition where the employees were not coming along. There were some positions open and how they managed that, and that is the exact successes that I have found where we have not had the opportunity to get in, and then we, we are brought in during the implementation, the integration, and I've identified problems and issues. It is so much more expensive, so much more difficult, um, and there's a lot of crisis that occurs. There's an emotional crisis that, it, that occurs with employees when that's happening. And it, it is exacerbated by um, the fact that the acquisition occurred, integration began, and now we've identified or found something and things are going backwards. Um, all the stakeholders get involved in this. If, the, if there are shareholders, um, you know, court cases come out of that, and we've seen that happen in 2016. Um, so one of the things that I can encourage more is to have human capital involved in the beginning to be able to assess that talent base, the talent needs, to have those meetings, and to be able to put forward a plan that will work. Um, and that's what you know, professionals in the field do. This is what I've been doing almost all my career is uh, and learning from, okay, this didn't work and why, and which ones did. I, and like I said, I'm going to be a broken record today. Human capital <laughs> up front before the papers are signed. <laughs> It's a, it's, it, it's a very good uh, it's a very good message. Um, break away. <laughs> and Rose, funny thing is, as you were saying that you were going to be a broken record, what mm-hmm. came to my mind is some people don't know what a record is. <laughs> when you're talking about human capital and the millennials and even you know just some people say, "What's a record?" So I have a bad internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no. Some you know, some people just say, "What? What's the record?" You know, we got CDs and we have MP3 and all those other things. But I digress. <laughs> point, point well made. My, my, my training hat when someone says that just just comes out, and you know, someone may not even they may look at you with a you know kind of starry, um, starry eye, like, "Oh, what are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, and I, yeah, I think it's it, it is really important to count the costs um, as you look into the idea of an of a merger or an acquisition in 2017, and certainly among those costs are going to be the cost of talent. And um, so, you know, duly warned, it looks as though the predictions are that the cost of talent is going to be um, that much more expensive coming into the new year. So as, as we round out our conversation, uh, I'd love to just open it up to you, uh, Rose, just to give uh, just a couple of real quick last-minute areas of advice, just a couple of nuggets to take into 2017, and then, Yolanda, I'll ask you to do the same. Okay. Uh, okay, and I promise that I won't um, get into a, a recording loop and say the same thing. <laughs> See, that was excellent training. You, you hey, changed I, the I, terminology. I learned quickly. Um, certainly, as companies look at mergers and acquisitions and they put their listings together, there's a few things that I think are really important to keep in mind, and that is the culture, how decisions are made, how teams work together, how people work together, 
how is work accomplished? And culture is more than mission and vision. It goes deep, and that's something that I would encourage. Um, to looking at that talent and being careful and being knowledgeable and being objective about the talent that's going to be necessary in the new company. Not just what do we have, what do they have, but what will the new company need? What will it look like when they meet those objectives that they've set forward? Uh, and employee engagement, having employees involved in this process. Metrics are critical to be able to look at the numbers, not just what is our revenue and what is the, the return on investment in terms of those, but looking at that cost of employee attainment and how yep. you need yep. to manage that. Well, uh, wise words indeed. Yolanda, last, last minute goes to you. Thank you. And Rose, I agree with everything you said. And to add on to that is, you know, the I go back to the quote, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I think that's very relevant in the discussion as as it relates to DNI, um, that a company going through mergers and ac- or acquisition must effectively lay out what their DNI vision, values, goals, strategies are. And it would be best to do it during the planning. And Sonia, you mentioned that you have, you know, the lawyers lay out everything. Um, but not only as part of that, you have to have the DNI plan. Um, to make sure that your cultures are coming together and what strategies are needed to make sure that your workforce um, is going to integrate properly. Um, But not only that, that your vision and your goals and missions of the two companies are going to come together and make sure that your customers still are satisfied and happy. And so what I would just encourage is to plan plan effectively and then it's not a one-time event you have to right. current, you have to go back to your plan revise it change it and continually yes. um, strategize yes well said well said well I want to thank you both for being on the show uh, I'm thrilled to have my team with me today and um, look forward to speaking with all of you and the latest listening audience in 2017, just a few short days away. Uh, so happy new year, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week. Same time on the business channel and voice America. Thanks again. Happy new year. Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week.